0: 99.3 WBT Pete Callender here on this Thursday, December 22nd, my final day in the studio doing the show for 2022 704-570-1110 wbt 1110 and uh, reminder, we're taking your suggestions for top Christmas movies I'm letting like maybe two one top like I would prefer like what's your top movie, but I understand that's difficult. That's difficult for me. But if you had to like if you could only watch one Christmas movie ever again for Christmas, what would it be? But then I was like, okay, fine, we'll do two. And then if you're going to do two, you might as well do top three. I mean that's just the way it goes. And so all right, so maybe three ish. Okay. And so in the third hour, we'll collect them all. And if you're looking for uh, movie ideas, I've got. I mean, I got a whole stack of them. I have a whole staff. I mean, no, the rules don't apply to me. No, I'm going to give you way more than three. It's a, it's, I'm aggregating them. So, all right. So the uh, Texas uh, national guard, hundreds of troops have been sent to the border in El Paso this week because uh, the Biden administration is just refusing to do anything about the border crisis. And so, Texas has sent down National Guard troops. I don't know why it's taken so long. They've started erecting a barrier out of um, uh, containers, stacking them along uh, this entry point. And uh, it it, it served its purpose initially, but it's not a long-term fix, right? It's not going to solve the problem that there were like a 1,000 migrants that were crossing into El Paso through this little river. And uh, they... uh, they turned away and went someplace else, and that's the problem is that they're just going to go, you know, farther down the border and find somewhere else to cross in. And El Paso's being completely overrun. They've got, they've got an airport terminal that's been converted into I, I mean, I, all it is is a roof, basically. They got, everybody's just sleeping on the floor. Right, So basically it's LaGuardia, like in, at Thanksgiving. I'm just kidding. We call it la garbage um texas does not have enough troops to line the entire border so they're just going to go somewhere else that's not guarded also you're dealing with the cartels and the human traffickers and they've got technology they're watching the movements of troops our troops they're watching the well the national guard troops i mean we haven't deployed any like federal people down there i think right they're looking at border patrol agents so they're they got drones going. They got uh, night vision goggles. They're watching all of this to make sure. Hey, where can we get our fentanyl? I mean, sorry, no, no, that's all coming from China. That's coming on planes. But the um, no, none of it's coming across the border. No, 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 not at all. But where can we get our people in? How are we going to smuggle the people in and such? David Strom also writing at hotair.com, says Americans know there's a crisis at the border. Even liberals understand that there is at least a humanitarian crisis, right? We all agree on that. I don't think I've ever encountered somebody who does not consider that to be a humanitarian crisis. The question is, what do we do about it? And this is where you get sort of the mom and dad approach. You know, mom and dad approach. And I know this is an overs, uh, oversimplification of the patriarchal roles, but generally speaking, it, it's true. You have some people that take on the role of mom, which is, you know, unconditional love and forgiveness for everything and just wanting to, you know, kiss the boo-boo and make it go away. And then you got dad. Who's you know rub some dirt in it and get back out there? Right, it's a little bit. Look, you need both of those. You need both of those types of parents. I think you can't just have you can't just have both moms uh, with that kind of attitude, that sort of maternal attitude. That that's you know it's okay. I want to comfort. I want to protect. I want to do all that. It's important. Don't get me wrong. It's necessary, but it can't be all that. If it's all that, you end up raising anxiety-ridden kids that that turn into adults that that fold and collapse at the first sign of any kind of opposition or challenge. You need to have some resistance and you need to build that with a parent that says to you, get over it, get back out there. That's life. Life's not fair. I don't care if you hate me. Go and mow the yard. (laughs) That's what, you need that. You don't think you need that when it's happening, but if if it doesn't happen, you end up, Growing up to be an anxiety-ridden, narcissistic jerk. Okay, Uh, got kind of far afield there. Anyway, not that a lot of liberals will admit this, but it's hard to believe that they're totally indifferent to the mass human suffering of the migrants who are being raped, murdered, and exploited by the cartels or the thousands forced to live under bridges. And for normal, rational people, it is obvious that adding 6 million or more unauthorized immigrants to the U.S. or 2% of the U.S. population, adding that many people in a couple years, that's not sustainable. Millions of people with little education, no resources, no housing, speaking almost no English, becomes a social disaster waiting to happen. See, this gets into the, uh, the area of assimilation assimilation. Now, full disclosure on this. I'm not a hardliner when it comes to some of this stuff. People who are like, oh, I can't believe I saw someone riding down the road with a with a Mexican flag." Yeah, I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I, don't, I I don't take note of time I see an Irish flag on someone's back window and they got a little decal of a you know Italian flag or, or a, you know, I don't, I don't know Canadian flag well, those I do actually. those I those I do. Um, I don't, those, that people buy those things. I had one. I went to Ireland. I got a sticker, put it on my car. Didn't care. Doesn't mean I'm like, look at me, Ireland over, uh, over America. That's not what that means. It was a sticker. it's, it's just a sticker. It's like, Hey, I, I went to Ireland. I got this Irish sticker, put it on my car. And then when it, uh, you know, faded off it, uh, that was it. It was gone. So I don't, I don't mind that people, people fly their flags off of their front porches for sports teams, right? I, I'm not, i I'm not upset about people flying flags of their heritage. It doesn't matter to me. They're proud of their heritage. Fine. Now, if you're going to tell me I can't be proud of my heritage, okay, now we have a problem, right? I'm a, I endorse a consistent standard. However, there is a benefit, not just to the society, but to the people who are coming, For assimilation to some degree to occur. And it's going to differ based on, you know, people's age, their educational background, that sort of thing. First off, I want people who want to be here. I want the entrepreneurs, right? I want the people that are in love with the idea of America. Those are the people I want. Because I think that that that, uh, uh, helps the American dream. It helps the society. The key, though, is they have to be assimilated because they don't know everything. I mean, my God, we don't educate ourselves on everything about our founding fathers and the, uh, or the, the, the constitutional principles and our history. We, we, we don't even do that for ourselves. So you know, we have to give them some of these lessons before they become part of society because otherwise they, they don't know. So there has to be some level of assimilation that occurs, and you do that through the citizenship process. One of the things I used to do, maybe I'll do at some point, used to give uh, we give away tickets and stuff. I would use the questions off of the U.S. citizenship tests. <laughs> Have you ever taken the U.S. citizenship test? It's not long. Well, there are two versions. You could take a short version. There's a longer one. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of Americans don't do very well on it. A lot of Americans don't. Which is why I love David Harsani's idea at The Federalist. Uh, every now and again, he kind of kicks this around in, an, in a column and, you know, outrage ensues uh, where he says uh, you should have to pass the U.S. citizenship test in order to vote. Then people lose their minds over it. He says it'll never happen. He knows that. And he's kind of half kidding about it, but kind of half not, you know, <laughs> because – yeah, if you have no idea what this whole project is about, do you really think you should be in charge of directing its course? Come down. Oh, yes, I know. Anxiety-ridden narcissist jerk, right? Okay. So 2% adding 2% to our population every year with uh, and that population being people who and this is not their fault, but they come from places where they don't have, you know, education. You know, places like major cities in America, they have uh, they have no resources, they have no housing. You know, used to be like you don't get to be a government dependent when you come to America. Now there are all sorts of nonprofit organizations set up to make this uh, to, to make these people more comfortable when they get here. But you end up with a social disaster because the system cannot support this influx. Because you're not. I mean, how many? How many more Elon Musks do we have to import, right? Are we getting a lot of these billionaires? Are we getting a lot of these really, really, really rich people crossing the borders too and becoming Americans or something? Paying taxes? No. Our society cannot absorb such a large number so quickly without consequences. Yet, we have the Biden administration just lying to us. Right? Telling us, oh, this isn't happening. Right? They, Oh, the border's not open. Like, dude, you know we can see these videos. I'm watching it right now. Ah, that's not happening. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But Biden tells lots of lies. He has for a very long time. (music) News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Mm-hmm. A reminder, we're taking your top Christmas movie recommendations. You can send them to Pete at the shoe.com. You can also send them on Twitter at Pete Callender. And uh, we'll uh, go over them in the next hour. So, and I've already got a bunch. Thank you. Uh, people's recommendations. So, if you're looking for good Christmas movies, we got a list here. I'm gonna, I'll read through them and I'll give you some like highlights on some of them. But the uh, whole point is uh, to. Help people expand their horizons. I know a lot of people have, uh, they got their favorite Christmas movies. They always watch them. We do, Christy and I, there are a couple that we watch, you know, try to watch every year. And um, and so I'm curious what other people uh, watch. And we can then, you know, offer those up as Christmas gifts, as offerings to you. If you are looking for a new Christmas movie to put into your rotation. Because I'm a giver. All right. Um, David Strom at uh, HotAir.com talking about the Biden administration just lying about what is actually happening at the border. It is a crisis. It's a humanitarian crisis. And they claim the border is not open. And he asks, if it's not open, what would open look like? What would it look like? How many people would be coming across a border that is, quote, open versus what we are seeing now? So many people that come in that they don't even get processed. And those are the ones that we catch, right? Those are the ones that turn themselves in or get caught and don't get sent back under Title 42. And that's why Republicans are trying to stop Title 42 from being uh, repealed. And this is the, and they call it T42 as well, but Title 42 program. And now Mike Lee going after the omnibus spending package He is and a a group of conservative Republicans are opposing this omnibus spending bill in the lame duck session. They're trying to force the administration to keep Title 42 in place because tomorrow is the deadline to fund the government. They're using that deadline as a bargaining chip over border policy. A single senator can object to fast tracking a vote on the one point seven trillion dollar spending bill. Washington Examiner reports that this could threaten the uh, Senate's ability to pass the omnibus with just hours to go before a government shutdown. Senate leadership has been negotiating separate votes on a slate of amendments, largely from conservative Republicans, to get a time agreement. But it's Lee's insistent, Mike Lee's insistence on a Title 42 amendment that a Democratic Senate aide told Punchbowl News called it a, a poison pill. Lee is requesting a vote on language that would cut funding for the Office of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas unless Biden keeps Title 42 in place. Keep it in place or lose all your funding. Right? Those are your options. And if you're not going to let me run this, you're not going to include this, then I'm not going to give you the fast track to getting this thing passed. That's Lee's position. He said, quote, I insisted that we have at least one amendment, up or down vote, on whether to preserve Title 42. See, that's the thing. He's not even, it's not even a requirement, I guess, that it it be part of the bill. He just wants an up or down vote because Title 42 is the one thing standing between us and utter chaos. We already have mostly chaos. This would bring us to utter chaos. It's like a, it's like the uh, the DHS color coded threat assessment levels. You know, you've got like mild chaos, you've got utter chaos, and then you got uh, Kevin Bacon level chaos. That's like the that's the worst. Um, if the amendment passes, Democrats say the omnibus would be dead on arrival in the House. Well, then then don't pass it, Democrats. Simple solution: don't pass it. Don't vote for it every single one of you go in go against uh border control please do so Mark Kelly looking at you right oh are you afraid you're not going to actually be able to get all 50 of your members to vote and those you know aligned your your Democrat adjacent independent Senators that, that they're all not going to drop in line with you yeah that's a problem for you that's a you problem that might indicate you actually are on the losing side of this persuasion right you're not you're not the majority view that's what that would indicate and so then that would mean you lose and that means you lose that vote it means you want the greater bill to pass and so you go along with it you know the argument you make right now on the whole omnibus bill right oh no no that's the poison pill keeping title 42 in place that's the poison pill that's the bridge too far that's the rio grande too wide to cross come on now Let's see here. Um do, do, this is back to David Strom hotair.com. He says I have to assume that this policy is linked to their efforts to lift all ballot security measures, but perhaps I'm being paranoid. Pr- probably not though, as I have a hard time seeing any other political upside to the policy. Right. Why would you get rid of Why would you try to induce this kind of chaos? This this why would you try to go from chaos to utter chaos to, you know, Kevin Bacon level chaos? Why would you Try to go there. What's the point of this? It's to get enough critical mass to force, quote, change. What is that change they are trying to force? Well, for years, it's been demographics is destiny. For years, it's been, oh, we're going to get all these, these, you know, non white people and they're going to think like us because they're not white, which is a pretty racist thing to say, I think, but that's been their position. And then, of course, They found out and they're finding out over the last few election cycles that actually a lot of these folks are coming across and uh, they're Catholic and they actually don't agree with you on a lot of stuff. (laughs) And they're voting for Republicans now because they do think there's just a man and a woman. There is not like 72 different genders. They they disagree with you on some of your radical postmodernist Marxism thinking. So they're not on your team on all this stuff. So you would think there'd be some reason why they might want to pump the brakes. But you're telling me. That simply running a vote in the Senate to tie the Title 42 funding, or sorry, tie uh, tie Title 42 to Homeland Security funding and say, if you repeal 42, you lose your funding. And Democrats are free to vote against this and reject it. It's a 50-50 split in the Senate. But Kamala, the cackler, she has the tie-breaking vote, so you can do this, right? You can pass it with 50, or you can reject it with 51% of the votes. But you're worried that it'll pass. And if it passes and becomes part of the Senate bill, you say the House won't vote for it, which means your membership, when you have just the teensy-weensiest bit of a, of a majority, and so you're afraid that that it'll kill it in the House? Why? Because they want Title 42 lifted, Right. Why do they want Title 42 lifted? Well, the pandemic's over. Is it though? Is it really? I keep hearing all of these stories and these announcements from health officials that are like, "Oh my gosh, it's the it's the trifecta of the flu and RSV and COVID Omicron and you got to get all of the boosters and new shots and 17 masks." I'm not I'm not buying this idea that the Democrats think that the uh, pandemic is over. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that that's why they want Title 42 lifted. Because they tried to lift it months ago. They got blocked by the courts. They've been trying to lift it for a long time. They want the chaos. They want the people coming in. I actually think the people coming in is, I think that's just gravy. I think they want the chaos. I think this is a Cloud and Piven play. WBT welcomes Light the Nights Festival, where you can make merry memories. It's a Truist Field now through January 6th. We got the ice skating rink, the snow tubing hill, Santa, shopping, Christmas trees, holiday treats, live entertainment, light shows. Come enjoy it. Brought to you in part by Piedmont Natural Gas. Share the warmth. It is the Light the Nights Festival at Truist Field in Uptown Charlotte now through January 6th. Uh, So another indication of the Biden administration's unseriousness about closing the border was assigning the issue to Kamala the Cackler Harris, the most famously incompetent politician in America. And she cackled her way through the past two years. She's consistently ignored everything border-related. David Strom at HotAir.com says, as far as I know, there isn't even a Venn diagram available on the issue, which is really weird because she has a Venn diagram for, like, everything, so you know she's doing nothing on this. The media has tap-danced around all of it, utterly unwilling to call out the lies. Now Biden is just a passive victim of the problem. He's not the cause. ABC's Martha Raditz uh, Raditz, implied that the cause of the migrant influx is... Republicans. That's right. It's re- when the scandal is about. Right there, you go. See, this isn't. This is just happening to him. It's a Democrat scandal, so the obvious uh, villain is the Republicans. Duh. Journalisming rule number two. No, it's the Republicans who are pouncing, who are seizing, who are complaining about how the border is open, but it isn't because. They say it's not, even though it is. Right. The border actually being open is the cause of the problem. And somehow Republicans are to blame for the result of Joe Biden's policies. Yeah. So that's That's why I support what Mike Lee is doing. Shut it all down. Shut it down. They can't they can't do anything about Title forty two if they're not there. <laughs> right? They can't do anything if they're not there. No, but uh, meanwhile, Democrats are very, very, very interested in Donald Trump's tax returns. Remember, the reason why they wanted Donald Trump's tax returns was to prove the Russia collusion, which we now know is not true. So there was no, tr- no collusion. So then they said, well, I guess it took so long to get to that point. They were like, well, wait a minute. He's supposed to have been audited by the IRS. Did you know that the IRS is supposed to do an audit of the president like every year? I was unaware of that. I was, And I follow these things pretty closely over the last, you know, 20 years. So I was not aware, but you learn something new every day. That's why I get out of bed. Hey, um, you learn something new. And I just learned that apparently the IRS is supposed to be doing audits. And what they found was that the IRS did not do audits of Trump in the first two years of his presidency. <laughs> Under the Obama appointee. I got questions. All right. So first up, AP reports, the IRS failed to pursue mandatory audits of Donald Trump on a timely basis during his presidency, a congressional panel found this week, raising questions about statements by the former president and leading members of his administration who claimed that he could not release his tax filings because of the ongoing reviews. Okay, first off, I thought him saying that him being uh, him being audited, I thought he was saying that that was like pre-presidency. I thought he said he's been audited every year, and I know this is part of the problem with taking Donald Trump literally is that he, he he speaks in word salad, so I don't know what he said, what he's referring to, so whatever. A report released by the Democrat majority on the House Ways and Means Committee indicated the Trump administration may have disregarded an IRS requirement dating back to 1977 that mandates audits of a president's tax filings. Wait, that the administration did that? That they they disregarded that? Because the IRS only began to audit Trump's 2016 tax filings in 2019, two years into his presidency, and just months after the Democrats took control of the House, which is when Richard Neal, congressman, panel chairman, asked the IRS for the information. Now, there's no suggestion that Trump sought to directly influence the IRS or discourage the agency from reviewing his tax information, But the report from the Democrats found that the audit process was, quote, dormant at best. So you read, you read this uh, AP story. And you never find out in there. That the person who was running the IRS until Democrats took over, basically. Was an Obama appointee. That's weird, don't you think? I think that's weird. Um, do, 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 do. I'm trying to look for, I've got a whole bunch of uh, stuff here. I'm looking for the, uh, the timeline. The IRS has a mandatory audit program for sitting presidents, but it did not audit Trump until more than two years after he assumed the presidency. Trump filed two tax returns in 2017. He filed one in 2018, but only received his first audit when he was in office in 2019. Richard Neal, Democrat from Massachusetts, said there are no audits. There were no audits in a timely manner. Once committee staff went to visit the IRS, once staff had a chance to go to some of the locations that are within the jurisdictions of the IRS, they quickly concluded the fact that, in fact, the audit did not occur. Senate Finance Committee Chair Ron Wyden said that the IRS was asleep at the wheel. Okay. Why? 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 probing the audit program was the reason given by democrats to get the tax returns okay so when democrats win control they come in and they're like we want to see the audits of trump's taxes and the irs is like uh what and they're like oh my god you haven't been doing these audits and they're like uh no and they're like well we not, now now we need to uh, we we need to do an audit of you guys we need to investigate and part of our investigation into why you didn't audit him has to be the inclusion of all his tax returns this was literally the reason they used to get the tax returns that they're now going to publish which i would submit is a violation of law but i know what that's well that's just archaic that's just the old way of thinking right here's the problem Tax experts say complex audits usually take several years. You don't say. All right, going to going back to the AP story. Um IRS agents in charge of audits repeatedly did not bring in specialists with expertise assessing the complicated structure of Trump's holdings. They frequently determined that a limited examination was warranted because Trump hired a professional accounting firm that they assumed would make sure Trump properly reports all income and deduction Uh, items correctly see so they were like uh we're not going to bring in some outside experts on this to review it because trump's using tax professionals and we assume they're doing it right so what does this say what is this saying to us it's saying the irs is not able to audit complex tax structures or or business structures right which is quite the admission that is quite an indictment they can't Right. They can't audit this, But oh, But the media, the media, they will understand the complex business dealings of Donald Trump. Don't you worry about it. They will totally be able to understand the ideas of carried interest and depreciation of assets or whatever. Oh, yeah, they're they're going to nail it. The IRS doesn't even understand it. This is one of those things I remember reading this a long time ago. Oh, standard disclaimer. I love the IRS. I think they do fantastic work and I love everybody that works there. Don't audit me. Okay, so I remember reading this thing a long time ago that uh, they—it uh, was like some watchdog group—they brought a, a tax return to the IRS and they asked them to to check it, right? And they got one response back. They then took a, a, the identical tax return and got another opinion. Took the identical tax return to the IRS a third time, got another opinion. They don't. There's not even uniformity. They're like this screams to us: it should all of this stuff on Donald Trump's taxes it should scream to us that we need to reform the tax code, right? If you're, the more money, people will spend more money to evade, right? If if you will have, let me say this way, you have more compliance with tax law if the taxes are lower and there is a lower cost to comply. When you start raising the costs of compliance, people find a way to evade because it's cheaper, it saves the money. News Talk 1110 wbt So the Associated Press and The Hill, both reporting on the release of Donald Trump's tax returns with the Democratic-led committee, Democrat-led committee. They announced they're going to release them. For what purpose? I don't know. Um... Well, actually, I think I do. You know what I think this comes down to? Democrats want to prove Trump's not rich. I think that's what this is about. I mean, don't get me wrong. Trump is rich. But Trump inflates. He has got a history of inflating his net worth, right? He lies about how much he's worth. Nobody knows. I'm not saying he has to tell us what he's worth. I, I'm a sort of old school like that. I don't ask people what they make. Uh, you know, in salary, like I, I, do, I, I don't probe that stuff unless I think there's some reason. Like, if you're a public servant, then yes, uh, we should know what, you know what the budget allocations are for salaries and that sort of thing. But I generally don't ask people that's that sort of thing. It, it doesn't. I, I, I know he's richer than I am. I assume he's richer than I am, right? I mean, he had right. I mean, he had the the casino, and I mean, those things are just a license to print money. They never go out of business. So anyway, uh, the AP and the Hill reporting on how the IRS did not audit him in his first two years as president, as they're supposed to. And they're trying to pin this on him. But that's not his fault. They always they just skip right past this point until November 2017. Ten months into Trump's presidency, the commissioner of the IRS was John Koskinen. Remember that name? Nominated by Barack Obama, confirmed in a party-line vote by Senate Democrats, overcoming fierce Republican opposition back in 2013. The IRS had an acting commissioner, David Couter, for nearly a year after Koskinen's departure. Trump did not get his own selected commissioner, Charles Reddick, until October 2018. And the first audit of his return started about uh, seven months later. On his watch, when he was asked by Democrats, their report, they were like, hey, why aren't you doing this? And he was like, oh, we should do that. Right? It, it certainly sounds like the IRS and the Department of Treasury feel that they were managing things just fine and want Congress to stop nagging them with annoying questions. Jim Garrity at National Review. He says the House Ways and Means Committee also voted to release his tax returns and it's fair to ask, what's the point? The whole time... The Democrats have insisted that it wasn't a fishing expedition, that they that they they were trying to investigate whether the IRS handled presidential tax returns appropriately. Well, you have your answer now, right? The IRS wasn't doing its duty. Mission accomplished. Got what you were looking for. The details of Trump's tax returns were never all that relevant to that question. Unless, of course, that was just the ruse if you got the obama appointee that doesn't do the audits in order to induce the 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 cries of outrage and demands right to look into him and we got to see the tax returns and this is the way that you get the investigation to get and they they got him this way right are they saying that trump committed tax fraud then that would be a matter for the irs and federal prosecutors not the general public right You know who argued that the House Democrats should not release his returns? Of all people, Jennifer freaking Rubin at the Washington Post. She quoted the judge, District Court Judge Trevor McFadden, who cautioned that Congress may not expose someone simply for the sake of exposure. The committee would do better. To heed his warning, if Chairman Neal's true interest in the former president's tax returns is indeed to better understand the presidential audit program, he will doubtless be able to accomplish this objective without publishing the returns. Anyone can see that publishing confidential tax information of a political rival is the type of move that will return to plague the inventor. Trump ran out the clock. Democrats wanted to enact legislation if they wanted to, I should say to obligate presidents or nominees to release their tax returns. They could have done so, but they didn't, right? Why? I'm a big why guy. I like to ask why or how so. Here's the deal. Congressional Democrats went looking for a Trump scandal and came back with an IRS scandal. And rather than accept the scandal they've been dealt, they're going to release his tax returns to prove that he isn't as rich as he claimed. It's the equivalent of saying he has small hands. He hates it. He hates when people say he has small hands. And so they want to say, small hands, small hands. That's that's what they're doing. That's my estimation of it. But I'll tell you what. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt because you know me. That's what I do. I'm a giver. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. So let's do that with the Democrats. And so from now on, let's let's do this. Every single member of Congress releases their tax returns, including the president. That's every single year. Every year, we all get to see every member of Congress's tax returns. I want to see it, all of it. I mean, you could, well, you can black out the Social Security number. You can black out the, the address and the taxpayer identification number, like all of the sensitive stuff. But as far as like like the businesses, the income, right, the the taxes you're paying, the write-offs, all of it. I want to see all of it, right? For transparency purposes, of course, right? Just for tra- I just want to know. I just want to know that you're not as poor as you say you are. See, same, same standard. I just want to make sure that you know you're not a you're not getting money from like the Russians or the Chinese or sleeping with a spy of the Chinese or something like that and giving her gifts. That those sorts of questions. I'm just asking questions you